please join me in prayer. Lord God, silence in our hearts every voice but your own that we may hear your word this day. Prepare our hearts, we ask, that we would draw near to you. Bless our brother and friend Kent as he brings the word this morning. In your name, amen. Uh, since the release of Trayvon Martin's killer in 2013 and the killing of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014, the phrase, Black Lives Matter, has become a rallying cry for a new chapter in the long freedom struggle for African Americans and other disenfranchised minority groups. And in the chapters that we're going to look at today in Mark, the cry in first century Palestine would have been similar. Canaanite lives matter. We've been looking at the life of Peter throughout the Gospel of Mark. And this morning we're looking at Mark 7 and 8. It's a big chunk of, of scripture. But this is a time where Jesus enters what I call the badlands. The place where the others live. And I want to unpack this a bit by looking at three encounters that rocked the disciples' world. In these encounters, we see Jesus. He works ever so delicately to expose and uncover how the disciples were so blind to what Jesus was really up to. So let's read the first encounter, encounter one, Mark 7, 24 through 30. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as he heard about, she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born a Syrian Phoenicia, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, Jesus told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying in the bed, and the demon gone. Um, when I was in sixth grade, Dolores Tittle wanted me to be her boyfriend. She was a full-blown woman, sixth grade woman, and I was a mere child. I didn't even have air, hair under my arms, and uh, she wanted me to be her boyfriend, and so I did what... Any sixth grade boy would do with the friends were bugging you. She kept sending me these notes. My buddy's like, oh, Dolores Tittle. And uh, so I, on the playground, called her a dog. Yep. And in fact, it was worse than that because my friend John Havens had an old bloodhound. And I called her a droopy-faced bloodhound dog. And uh, she hit me and then chased me. And then reported it, and I had to go to the principal's office for the next three recesses and write out, I will not call people names. I will not call out people names for the whole entire recesses. And then Dolores Tittle proceeded to chase me for the next two weeks. Uh, I moved from being her boyfriend to the person she most wanted to kill. And uh, so uh, does Jesus need to go to the principal's office? I mean, everyone knew that racist comment. It's not good to give the dogs, every Jew called a Gentile, a dog. Gentiles weren't people. This was a common phrase. Come on now. I mean, Jesus, 
has got to at least be better than me and Dolores Tittle. And, and in Matthew 15, we read the same story, although in Matthew, she's called a Canaanite woman. Now, just so you know, Canaan was the land that encompassed all of Palestine and all of Syria. And here, Mark is a bit more specific. She is a Canaanite Syrian woman. And this interaction would have been really disturbing to the disciples in a number of ways, especially Peter. I mean, one, Jesus, number one, this is Jesus talking to another woman. Like, what is it with Jesus and women? Two, this woman is a Canaanite. Three, and worse than just a Canaanite, she's a Syrian dog. Can you imagine what's going on in Peter's mind? I hate Syrians the most. President Bashar al-Assad is an idiot. His Ba'ath Party rulers are cold-blooded murderers, and they're anti-Israeli and anti-Jew. The government shoots its own people and uses chemical weapons. They've forced five million refugees to cross over the borders, and they want to settle in our land. No way. And on top of that, this whole encounter makes us feel pretty shameful as disciples because we were told in Deuteronomy 7 to utterly destroy the Canaanites. Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and drives you out, many nations, the Hittites, the Jezreelites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Pizzerites, the Hivites, the Debusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, always say those with boldness. And when... <laughs> The Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them. You must destroy them totally, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. And now probably Jesus is going to rebuke us for not destroying those dogs. What's going on here? Is Jesus being mean? Does he need to write out, I will not call Syrians dogs 400 times? I can't believe that. No, I think Jesus is doing something incredible. He's drawing out the racist tendencies of his disciples. Can you picture this interaction? The woman asks, Jesus, would you heal my daughter? And Jesus responds, and I think he's looking at Peter and the disciples and this woman. It's not right, is it, to feed the children's bread to the dogs? And I think Peter went, that's our guy. Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, we are the children of the chosen. And you are a dog, Jesus. Yes, I knew he was our boy. You know. And then she says something profound back to Jesus. Yes, but, but even the dogs have the right to eat the crumbs. Now, this is a profound statement, and we don't have a lot of time, so let me just say this. She's referring all the way back to Genesis 12, the covenant God made with Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. And what was that covenant? I will make you a great nation, God told Abraham, and I will bless you, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And she reminds Jesus and the racist disciples, although I don't know if Jesus needed a reminder, but that the children, the Jews, who were supposed to bless the other nations, and yet we haven't gotten a crumb of blessing. All we've gotten is hate. And Jesus loves her answer. And instead of taking her out and finishing the ethnic cleansing of Deuteronomy 7, which the disciples might have been waiting for, he praises her reply and heals her daughter. Whew. 
I mean, the disciples knew the truth of the Old Testament. Canaanite women lead Hebrew boys astray. We should destroy them. But Jesus heals her. Are you kidding me? And from that point on, very interesting, Jesus' ministry goes multicultural. He begins to minister to the others. And this was a problem for the disciples. Encounter number two, the feeding of the 4,000. Now, a few weeks ago, Mindy unpacked Mark chapter 5, the feeding of the 5,000. And the story follows, has somewhat the same trajectory. This is not 5,000, this is 4,000. There's a crowd, there's no food, there's grumpy disciples who want to send people home. And then there's the question, how much food do we have? And then there's all these baskets full of food left over. Same kind of trajectory. And let's pick it up right after the disciples ask Jesus, how in the world are we supposed to feed 4,000 people in the land of Canaan? Here's what it says. How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so, and they had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. And the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. Uh, how many loaves did they pick up in Mark chapter 5? Mindy preached this sermon, do you remember? They were in Jewish territory. They picked up 12 basketfuls in Mark chapter 5, just a few chapters early. Uh, There's 12 tribes of Israel, 12 basketfuls. How many baskets did they pick up here? Seven basketfuls. And how many uh, were in the land of Canaan? Hmm, well, let's look. In the land of Canaan, how many tribes there were? Uh, a lot. Seven, to be exact. And uh, they were the seven tribes larger and stronger than you, Deuteronomy says. After the miracle, it says in chapter 8 that they got into the boat and headed to the next place. Wouldn't you have loved to be in on this conversation? You know, rowing this boat or whatever. Okay, what's with Jesus and the Canaanites? Huh. How many baskets did we pick up two weeks ago? Mark, you remember how many baskets there in our homeland were? Twelve. Oh, yeah. Oh, twelve, yeah. And how many baskets did we pick up today? Seven. Seven. And what's with Jesus and numbers? Like, what the heck? Like, oh, twelve. There just have to be twelve baskets. Oh, the twelve tribes, the twelve disciples. You're so special. You're the children of God. We love you. Oh, we're in the land of Canaan. We hate these people. How many baskets? Seven. Oh, we like them. Seven. Just magically seven. Like Jesus. If you got something to say, say it. Because your little hints are really disturbing. Like, are you calling us racists? And I thought he came for his chosen children, you know. And now we're out in the fringes of Canaanite territory, and Jesus is acting like they're the same as us. Twelve baskets, seven baskets. What? No way. Besides, we had twelve baskets. Well, at least we had twelve. You only had seven. We're still number one. Which leads us to our last encounter. Mark chapter 8. The blind man. They came to Bethesda, and some people brought a man blind, oh, a man, and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, and Jesus asked, do you see anything? 
And he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Um, let's talk about spit. Um, people and the Jewish rabbis actually, actually believe this, that saliva was a valid treatment for blindness. So Jesus, I think, used spit maybe to communicate in a gentle sort of way. I mean, going from blindness to sight might be, whoa, you know, that I'm going to spit in your eyes. Something is about to happen. I don't know. The spit thing is a little weird. But more confusing than the spit is that it didn't work. I see trees walking around. I, oops. <laughs> It's like that card trick that you saw somebody do, you know, at the camp you were at, you know, high school, you know, youth group camp. And then you come back home and you're around your friends at the high school table lunchroom. You go, oh, I got this cool trick. Is this your card? Yeah. How about this one? Crap. <laughs> Oops. It didn't work. So Jesus has to do it again, has to give him a second touch. And then it says his eyes were opened. And his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Why two touches? Hint, hint, disciples. This is like a hands-on living parable. No story required. Boys, looking at Jesus and his disciples, you all had the first touch. You're the chosen people of God. I called you to follow me. I said, leave your nets, come, Levi, leave your tack. You are my boys, my posse, the first invited. I touched you first, but you desperately need a second touch. Because you think some people aren't really people. I've been watching. They aren't worthy of love and healing, food, or a touch. They're just dogs, trees that we can cut down, use for fuel, Clear to plant our fields. Clear cut to plant our crops for our nice little holier-than-thou club. Trees that we can take to the burn pile so we can go on with our nice little lives in nice little America with our nice little houses with 2.5 kids in a garage. Jesus, I think gently and very deliberately, was trying to wake the disciples up. Purposely moving them towards the truth of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, the others, everybody, that he gave his only son that whoever, Canaanites, Syrians, believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As the uh, worship team comes up, let me close. Um, where is God trying to get your attention these days? What is he moving you toward? Is there something you're blind to? Do Canaanite lives matter? Do black lives matter? Are there dogs in your world that Jesus wants to expose? Would you rather send them home? Who do you not want to feed? Do you really see people? I mean the way Jesus sees them. Or are you simply seeing trees?
Is the first touch enough? Or could it be that we are still hanging on to the seven last words of the church? I never, we never did it that way before.